presence of any spirit or devil that can that can dwell in this place when we lift up your name, Lord Jesus. The enemy has to flee. That's what your word says. Hallelujah. We command him to go right now in the name of Jesus. We command him to go right now in the name of Jesus by the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to lay aside all of our cares and concerns tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. You are in complete control of every situation and every circumstance. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Worthy God. Worthy God. Can we just clap our hands and love the Lord for just a few minutes? Jesus, we love you. don't you that the Lord can move and operate because he won't move and operate in just any atmosphere amen I don't want to go anywhere where I'm not welcome do you I don't I don't know about the rest of you but I want I don't want to go anywhere I'm not welcome and I want the Lord to know and you need to you need to want the Lord to know that He is welcome. Amen. I've heard it said so many times since I've been in this that that about people have said there Jesus is sitting outside the door of the church waiting for him to let him in. And I, when I heard that the first time, I thought, no way, a Pentecostal church is doing that. But it must happen. But I'm glad he's here today. I'm glad that we have ushered in the presence of Almighty God in this place. Amen. He loves us. He loves us. He loved us so much that he left his throne in glory, came down here, was born as a child, and endured the things he had to endure for our sakes. He took that beating for our sakes. He had no visage, no form of nothing about him. You would never have recognized him. That's, I believe, why they didn't recognize him when they were, when he was walking with him on the road to Emmaus, because he still had that same visage. They didn't even know who he was. He did that for us. He took those beatings for doing nothing except spreading the gospel. Hallelujah. That's not my message tonight. It could be. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. We're going to read that in the King James and then we're going to read that in the Amplified Classic. Be careful for nothing. I'm sorry, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. Man, you could just camp right there and just speak for an hour and a half. Be careful for nothing, the writer says. But in everything, does that mean everything? That's everything, isn't it? Leaves nothing out. Everything is everything. 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Not by your intellect. Not by you trying to figure it out. He's given us a a pattern here. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Who Who are we giving the thanksgiving to? The one we're praying to. Because without him, we can do nothing. Let your requests be made known unto God. God, I want a Lamborghini. No, that's not what he's talking about. I believe that it's praying according to his will. Because he said somewhere in the New Testament that we have this infirmity. That we don't know what to pray for as we ought to. We don't know really what to pray for. We come up with some stuff off our list. Then what do you do after that? After your list is exhausted, now what do you do? You still got 59 minutes left in your hour of prayer. (laughs) Now what do you do? Lord, tell me what to pray for. Let the Spirit pray through you. And the peace of God, everybody say the peace of God, which passes all understanding or is superior to all understanding. Human understanding, any kind of understanding, it's superior to that. Shall keep your, or guard or preserve your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing. I'm going to talk to you tonight about God is our comfort zone. God is our comfort zone. God is our comfort zone. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the Amplified says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, that's a common word these days, isn't it? Anxiety. People are taking all kinds of pills out there that they're getting from their psychologists because they, they're having anxiety attacks. Right? That's so common. It's unbelievable how common that is. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Is that anything? That's anything. But in every circumstance, in every In everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends or is far above all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard. All you military folks know what that means, right? Anybody ever pulled guard duty before? Over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's our comfort zone, folks. God is our comfort zone. I don't know. You all might. Be thinking, where is Brother Demuth going with this? Well, just hang on. I'm going to get a little clinical on here for you for a minute, okay? Is that okay? It's okay. I found this article online, and it the title of it was, How to Leave Your Comfort Zone and Enter Your Growth Zone. Written by Oliver Page, M.D. Life is full of opportunities to step aside. This is just a little snippet out of this article. Life is full of opportunities to step outside the comfort zone, but grabbing hold of them can be difficult. Sometimes we don't even, when they come around, we don't want to grab a hold of them. We want to stay in our comfort zone. Why? Because we're comfortable there. Kind of a no-brainer, right? Sometimes the problem is not being aware of reasons to do so. After all, if the feeling of comfort signifies our most basic needs are being met, why should we seek to abandon it? Why should I want to leave the comfort of my comfort zone? Because I'm comfortable here. 
Sometimes, I already read that. What holds people back most of the time is their frame of mind. Rather than any distinct lack of knowledge, it's their frame of mind. They got all kinds of knowledge about all kinds of stuff, but it's their frame of mind that's holding them inside that comfort zone. And I put a little note here. The mind is where the enemy works to deceive. Isn't that amazing? We're giving people all these psychotropic drugs and everything else, and it's it's not... The drugs aren't going to help till you get deal with the demons. What holds people back is their frame of mind. Their frame of mind. This article looks at shifts in thinking. We've kind of heard something like that before in the Bible. Something along those lines. Required to step outside to comfort and into personal growth. Anybody ever read Romans 12, 1 and 2? <laughs> I'm not going to read it. If you haven't read it, go find it. Most of you know it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. There you go. You can, you can get the rest from there. The comfort zone, this is out of another article. The comfort zone is a safe space. Oh, when I read that, I was like, oh, my goodness. Anybody ever heard of a safe space? We're going to talk about that. Where we don't risk, neither do we grow. That's your safe space. You don't have any risk, but you don't have any growth either. It's not simply a physical space, but a mental concept. It's not limited to secure to a secure cord we've built around us, but it includes both our daily routines and way of thinking. Here we go with that thinking again. Stinking thinking. <laughs> Therefore, it can become the perfect excuse not to do, not to risk, not to grow, and ultimately not to live. So it can become like a prison cell, your comfort zone. Magical things happen outside the comfort zone. Change and growth occur. But there are also dreaded, or it also is the dreaded panic zone, or I like to call it the fear zone. We're going to talk about fear. So it's important to find the right balance in life based on a deep knowledge of what is what is what is comfort zone and what can and what we can find when we overcome its limits because a comfort zone has limits limits Wikipedia says that the term safe space refers to places quote Intended to be free of bias, conflict, criticism, or potentially threatening actions, ideas, or conversations. Man, living in a bubble. This, right, this is right where the enemy wants us to live, folks. That's right where he wants us to live. And don't. Don't you think for a second that he's not working every day to try to keep some of us there, right inside of our comfort zone? Brother, throw that little display up there. I was going to use the pointer, but the battery's dead. So you're just going to have to just squint. Everybody see four circles or some sort of a shape? The little one in red on the left says what? Comfort. That's where some of us are. We're stuck inside that comfort zone. The next one outside of that says what? Fear. Some of us get out of our comfort zone, and we get into that fear zone. Fear of what? Fear of failure. I'm reading this great book by a guy named Dan Bongino called The Gift of Failure. Failure is a gift. Did you know that? 
But we, we fear all kinds of things. And so we get out of our comfort zone and we, we immediately run, run right into that panic zone or that fear zone. And what do we do? I'm, if I open my mouth and say something, I might make a mistake. So we just draw back into our comfort zone because it's scary out there in that fear zone. But what you don't know is just a little ways past that fear zone is something called the learning zone. It's okay, Pastor. Okay. I'm trying to be clinical here. The learning zone. It's out there. You just have to push through that fear zone because we're going to talk about fear in a minute. And once you get into the learning zone, man, things just start to happen. I don't. You guys weren't at the, the section conference, but Brother Hanthorne got up and talked about, and I think several other people talked about, the fact that when they got to teaching a Bible study, I think you mentioned it, they learned more in the Bible study than the student they were teaching. Not only were they learning stuff out of the Word, they were learning stuff about themselves, learning stuff about how to deal with people, learning stuff about situations they hadn't dealt with before. That's why Brother Hanthorne made that that little thumb drive. It's got all kinds of little videos on how to deal with little situations that are, because every kind of lifestyle that you're going to run into is out there. And ultimately, you're going to be sitting in front of somebody that's got some kind of issue, anxiety or whatever, and you're going to, you could, that stuff's going to come up and it's going to disrupt your Bible study. So you have to be prepared to handle that. And it's not always going to work out. It's just not. Because we're human. And so you're just going to have to, Brother Hanthorne said it took him three years to figure some of that stuff out. And he, that was like teaching like four or five Bible studies a week, every week. And having no results for three years. Did he stop and run back to his comfort zone? No. He stayed out there in the fear and learning zone because eventually what did he get to? The growth zone. Who wants to stop growing? Well, I want to stop growing this way, and I'm working on that. (laughs) But literally, seriously, who wants to stop growing in their life? Who feels like they've arrived and they don't have to do any more growing? Any, a show of hands. Anybody? No? No takers? Me either. I read this one book about spiritual leadership, and the guy said, if you're, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting. Green and growing, ripe and rotting. You take your pick. Not a hard decision, is it? Just leave that up there for a little while. Because I'm hoping that through me, God's going to help somebody to realize where they're at, maybe help them get out to the learning zone. I can't get you there, and God won't make you go there. He'll prompt you to go there, but you have to want to. You you just have to want to, to move beyond your fear. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For what reason? He says right there, for. For. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of what? The faith. Is this thing that we believe, is this the faith that was once delivered unto the saints? This is the faith, isn't it? We have the faith. We've got to, there's one place in the Bible that says we have to, to defend the faith. We have to defend this thing. It's, it's important. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or a mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mature and able to meet God's expectations. Because it's all about God's expectations that we're trying to meet, right? We're, we're, we're designed to please Him and not men. That we henceforth be no more children. Writing this to the church. 
Don't be childish. Don't be tossed to and fro. Don't be carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. One of the easiest ways to be deceived is to not know what the Scripture says. Can anybody say Eve? She was deceived because she didn't really know what God had said. She was trying to fake it till she made it, and it didn't work out for her or Adam. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto who? Him. Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body joined, fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part making maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We all got to grow together. If I can just put that in a parenthesis. We all, we're all supposed to be growing together. If you're not where I'm at, I need to be over here trying to help you get to where I'm at because we're all trying to get to the same place. I need to be discipling you. You need to be helping me. We're in this thing together. How do you think the church survived? (laughs) God's expectation for his church, his saints, is to move from their place of ease and comfort and from their initial upper room experience. We can't stay in the upper room. That's just not some cute, neat little thing that Brother Booker came up with. That's God trying to speak something to this district. We've got to get out of the upper room. That upper room experience was great, but those guys had to leave that upper room. And they had to go out, and they had the, the, the church had to start, and they had to go from house to house. They couldn't stay there. We can't stay at our, our baptism in Jesus' name and infilling of the Holy Ghost. We cannot stay there. You can't live there. I can't live there. Acts 8, 1 through 4 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at the time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. You ever wonder why the apostles didn't get scattered? Why did they stay around? That's Silly stuff I think of when I'm reading. What's wrong with those apostles? Where were they hiding? How come they didn't get scattered? Anyway. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As Saul, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing or dragging men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore... They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Did God allow Pharaoh to put Israel and the people of God in bondage for 410 years? He allowed that, right? He did. He allowed there to be a famine for seven years when Joseph was second in command in Egypt. All those kind of things that happened, God allowed the people of Israel to be taken into bondage for 70 years. He allowed that. He allowed that king, that wicked king, to, to he, he sent him as his emissary. He said, go get him. You're my tool. And he put him in bondage for 70 years. So did God allow the very man that he was going to call to write most of the New Testament? Did God allow that man to go in and do his bidding to get the church out of their comfort zone? He surely did. It was that man. Saul. He wasn't just he wasn't just calling them names. He was going into their houses and dragging them out by their hair and dragging them down the road and putting them in prison. It says hailing. That's dragging. Why? Why did God allow that? Because the church was in a comfort zone. 
And he wanted the gospel to be spread beyond Jerusalem. And they were all stuck in Jerusalem. And we get like that. We get in a place where we're comfortable with what we do. Why do we have church on one week, one day in the week, in the middle of the week, and one day on Sunday? Why? Don't answer that. Just think about it. Why do we? I mean, this, this is just things I think about. But where did all this come from? Why do we, why do we sing three songs? Why do, we, why do we do what we do? I, I'm still trying to figure it out. But some some stuff we do we do it because we're it's comfortable and it's routine and is God pleased with it I don't know I'm not God I don't know but he must have seen a reason why the people of the church needed to be scattered if. He sent a man to persecute them for the distinct purpose of scattering them. And at the end of that story, it says, and those that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. How about that? (laughs) That got them out of the house. They were having house church. Honey, we're moving. Paul's coming down to our neighborhood next week. Let's get out of here and move somewhere else. I can I imagine it's happened that way. Before he gets to our neighborhood, let's move to Samaria. You think God was prompting that? Absolutely. Cuz he wanted this thing to go out through the whole world. Didn't want us to get in a comfort zone. Isaiah 26:3 through 4 says, "Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee." Because he trusteth in thee. It's all about trust, isn't it? Trust ye in the Lord forever. For the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not by not by my my might, not by my power, but by his spirit is how we're going to accomplish his will. Not by our intellect, not by our great plans and, and all of our planning sessions and all of that. It's not going to, how it's going to happen unless he's ordaining that. It's going to be by his spirit, by us listening to God. How did they know where to go? The new church. They didn't have a presbyter or a district superintendent. How did they know what to do? I'm not demeaning those offices. I'm just saying. They had to listen to God. Saints had to listen to God. And God was telling them, get up, get out of your comfort zone. I need you to go down the road and talk to so-and-so. And they just did it. New converts. To boot. That word trusteth in the complete word study Bible dictionary means a, it's a verb. Did you know that the word trust is, an, is a noun and a verb? Awesome. A verb indicating to trust, to be confident. It expresses the feeling of safety and security that is felt when one can rely on someone or something else. It is used to show trust in God. In addition, this expression can also relate to the state of being confident, secure, and without. He took it down. Where's my circles, bro? Put my circles back up there. He's messing with my mojo up here. Without fear. So really, if we're serving God and following him, is there really a fear zone? Can there be a fear zone if we're serving God and doing what he's telling us to do? That zone right there doesn't exist. So what are we waiting for? It's in our own mind and it's in our own life that that fear zone exists. 
because it doesn't exist with God. Oxford Dictionary Online says the word trust means firm belief in, reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Who's the someone? Moses didn't part the waters, did he? He just obeyed. He just said what he was told to say and did what he was told to do. Tell the people, stand and see the salvation of the Lord and hold that staff up. I'll do the rest. And that's all he did was stand there. And that's, sometimes that's all he's asking us to do, folks, is just stand there and be obedient. But we got to get out of our comfort zone. And Moses had to get out of his comfort zone. He did not want to lead him, however many, a couple million people. He didn't want to do that. That's what God commanded him to do, and so he did it. John fourteen twenty six through 27 says, But the Comforter, 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 which is the Holy Ghost. Who is this speaking right here? Who's speaking right here in John 14? This is Jesus. He's telling us something. I wasn't stuttering when I kept repeating the comforter. He's the comforter. So why do we feel like we got to stay inside our little circle of, of our comfort zone if he's our comforter? Which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto thee. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And he qualifies that with the next statement. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. You cannot find true peace in this world, folks. You cannot find true comfort and peace in this world. You think you're in a good, in a comfort zone, but you're really not. You're in a prison cell. You're in a jail. The devil's got you locked up, and he's got you so afraid to step outside of your comfort zone that he's telling you that there's that circle of fear, and you're believing every word of it. And your Bible says that let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid what are we afraid of the devil (laughs) not because you know he can't do anything unless God allows him to do it the Bible says that that God sent a messenger of Satan to buffet Paul That was a gift from God to Paul. (laughs) Anybody in here lining up for that kind of gift from God? Because why did did he give him that? To keep him humble. Because he was fixing to give him some revelation and he didn't want him to get the big head. That's exactly right. God was helping Paul stay saved. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your inner man, don't let yourself be troubled over all this shenanigans and all this stuff the enemy's telling you. And he will tell every lie out there. You're too old. You're too this. You're too that. You just need to stay in your comfort zone. Don't get outside of it because if you do, is anybody picking up what I'm putting down, I guess? Anybody been there? You ever had those thoughts in your mind? You ever wonder where those thoughts come from? We're apostolic people. We're full of the Holy Ghost. We are his hands and his feet. We are the ones that he set aside. He saved us for the purpose of doing his will. Why are we sitting there in fear like those boys on the boat? Cowering in fear on the boat. Jesus, why are you going to let us die? 
Where did he say? Where's your faith? They, they sort of claimed they knew who he was, but did they really believe it? Not. So when he stood up and spoke and the wind and the waves ceased, well, I would have said, wow, amazing. And he was trying to tell them, boys, you can do this. You don't need me. We can speak to our mountain. What he told us to do, wasn't it? Speak to your mountain. Whatever that mountain is. Fear. Fear of failure. Fear of making a mistake. Whatever fear you have, it's not from God. John sixteen thirty two and 33 says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. He's with us, folks. He is with us. Out there on our job. He's with us. These things have I spoken unto you, that, that in me you might have peace. That's the only way you're going to have peace right there is through him. In the world, fact, you shall have tribulation. Fact. Jesus said it. You shall have tribulation. Just acknowledge it. There's going to be tribulation. Okay, I acknowledge that. Just get past it. Get over it. It's coming. Don't let it stop you. How do you think we got to where we are today? A persecuted church. They turned the world upside down in the midst of persecution. All right? In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Have boldness and courage is what that word means. Cheer. Be of good cheer. Be... Have boldness. Have courage. I have overcome the world. Holy Ghost courage. And some of us, it takes courage to get out of that little circle, that little red circle into that little pink circle. And to walk past that pink circle like, I ain't afraid of you. Can I help somebody? You're going to fail. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to say something wrong. You're not going to have the answer to a question. Then you just say, well, the next time we get together, I'll get you an answer for that. Right? Jesus never, never, ever, ever promised his church, his disciples and his followers, a life without pain, problems, and pressure. Not in the book, anywhere. It's not in there. We just read it. He told us persecution. Paul had to go through pain, problems, and pressure, didn't he? Daily. Anybody in here ever been stoned with rocks? Let me qualify that. They didn't just throw little pebbles. When you're stoned... In the Middle East, they take up, they take stones as big as this thing right here, and they they heave those at you until you're dead. I watched a video on on YouTube of a woman being stoned in the Middle East, and it was gruesome. But that's how they, and that's what they did to Paul. And when Paul was about to give himself up for dead, the Lord said, "Nope, you're not done yet, son. Get up, keep going." So we're going to go through some stuff, folks. But if you know, if you don't go out there and make mistakes, you'll never learn anything. You'll never get to that learning zone. Will you? I remember when my pastor in Okinawa, when he started flinging me out there and telling me to go do stuff that I'd never done before, and it scared the daylights out of me. Here I am, a soldier in the army, and I'm scared of easy stuff this pastor's telling me to do. But why? Because it wasn't a familiar area. It was something I'd never done before. But guess what happened? 
<laughs> I felt very compelled to be obedient to that man of God because of all that God had put him in in my life for. And you know what happened? I went out there and did it anyway. And I learned something about myself. And I learned that it wasn't all that I made it out to be. And that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to use that circle of fear to just, just torment you. And just he doesn't want you to go out there and get into that learning zone and that growth zone. Because he knows once you get past that fear zone, he can't stop you. The church is unstoppable, folks. We're not just a denomination. We're God's people, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost. We got the same authority and power that the Jesus did, that Paul did when they laid hands on the sick and they recovered. We got the same power. Everybody in this room that's got the Holy Ghost, same power. No less. Ephesians. 13 through 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He's our peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's talking about the Jews and Gentiles. He, sep- he did, did away with that separation. We're all one in Christ. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, one of my favorite scriptures. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Don't just do it in your mind. You got to make it. Let let thy heart keep my commandments. Make it, not just make it a routine or a habit. Make it who you are. It's got to become something who, this is who I am. Right? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. You want peace? There you go. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. How many in here need some mercy? I need some mercy. And I need the truth. The only way I have the truth is out of this book. Bind them about thy neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. Make Surround yourself with it. Make it a part of who you are. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. It doesn't say that it's okay sometimes to lean to your own understanding, does it? It says... Lean not to your own understanding. Take your understanding, wad it up in a little ball, and throw it in file 13 and get rid of it. Your understanding, God's not going to tell you everything, every detail of why he wants you to go do something on purpose. Because he doesn't want you to take credit. He gets all the glory, folks. For what I'm doing up here, God gets the glory. I'm not doing this for any man to look at me and say, look at Brother Demute. It's for his glory. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That word trust is a verb. In the complete word study Bible, it says, indicating trust to be confident and express the feeling of safety and security. I think I've already read that. In addition, this expression can also relate to the state of being confident, secure, and without fear. Right? You know, I'm not bragging or anything, but I've been married going on 40 years this year in August. I know some of y'all are going, you're almost there. (laughs) I get it. But you know what's happened in 40 years? Is that I started a relationship with a lady 40 years ago. In Augusta, Georgia, on Fort Gordon. And we've been working on that thing ever since. And you get in a relationship with somebody like that, and what happens over time is a lot of times we don't even have to say anything to each other. It just takes a look. And I'm like, it's fam. 
I'll get right on them dishes right now. It's not about being right. It's about being happy. And by the same token, sometimes with her, all it just takes is a look. And we can just look at each other and know what we're thinking. How did that happen? It wasn't like that when we met 40 years ago. How did that happen? We developed a relationship with each other that is so connected. We're so connected with each other that we don't even have to say words sometimes. It's just a look. Or I just know how, how she feels about certain things. That You just know things, right? Don't you want to have that kind of relationship with your Heavenly Father? That you can trust Him so completely that if He tells you to go do out there and do something way out there in left field, that you're going, no way, God, there's no way I can do that. But at the same time, the Holy Ghost says, yeah, I know you can't. That's why I'm sending you. I'm going to do it through you. But you got to get up out of your seat, get out of your comfort zone, walk past that. That fear circle's not even there, is it? And Jesus, if he's our comforter, if he's our comfort, if he's our comfort zone, does Jesus have any limits? So that, that, that little red circle with, with, with the word comfort in the middle, that's a boundary that where the other circle is beyond that. But with Jesus, there's no boundary. He's our comfort zone. You can depend on him always. You can depend on him always, even when you're not thinking about it. He's there. He's watching over you. You don't know how many accidents he's kept you from. We were coming down 90 yesterday, and there's a guy in a, up up in the trees in a semi, you know, went off the road, went up in the trees. Just It must have just happened right before we got there. What if we'd have been in front of that guy? I mean, you know, you don't know what he's kept you from. He's got his eye on his church. That word acknowledge. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. I acknowledge that you're the pastor. I just mentally acknowledge that. Physically acknowledge it. I'll acknowledge that that light is red and I should stop. Is that what he's talking about? In all thy ways, acknowledge him? Actual, the meaning of that word is to know relationally and experientially. To know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his image. It's not about you being you anymore, is it? You don't have you don't have to worry about a comfort zone if you're hid with Christ in God, do you? Because you're hid behind him. So Whatever they see is him, not you. So you you essentially don't exist anymore. Isn't that awesome? Paul's Paul man, that dude, he counted his life not dear unto himself. But this one thing I do, he said, I press toward the mark. All that stuff that my future that I had and all that stuff that's happened, I don't it's just like dung on the ground. None of it matters. That's the kind of comfort zone we need to be in, folks. God's comfort zone. Because you don't worry about anything when you're there. Why? Because he's got it. God's got your life. I thank God, Sister Parker, that I'm in Wisconsin right now. I do. I know I've said some other stuff in the past, and my flesh didn't want to be here. That's true. But I, today, I thank God for being here. And I don't even know the whole reason why I'm here. All I know is what the little bit he's told me. And every time I ask him, it's like he forgets that I asked six months ago, why am I here? And you know what he says to me? 
He just says, just have faith. Just trust me. Trust me. Okay. When he says that very gently, I just say, okay. I shut up. Go back thinking about something else. What's he doing? He's telling me, I got this. I'm, you're in my comfort zone, son. I got this. Doesn't mean you're not going to have a flat tire or problems with your car or, or stuff going on or whatever, you know, stuff in your life. We're going to have pain, problems, and pressures, folks. But he's overcome the world. He's overcome all that. True joy is something you have when you're laying in a bed, hospital bed with stage four cancer. Right? That's real joy. The joy of the Holy Ghost. There's lots of people in hospital beds with stage four cancer that don't have any joy. They don't have any peace. Because they don't have any Jesus. But we got Jesus. We got peace. Don't throw a rock in my my pond of peace. Because I, I need that thing to be still so I can hear when he troubles the waters in my life. Amen? First John four seventeen through 18. Herein is our love made perfect. How many wants your love to be made perfect? And that word love in, in that scripture is the word agape. It's, it's the God kind of love. Okay? It's the kind of love that, that compels you to, to go pull somebody out of the ditch that stinks and smells and has dirty hair and whatever and, and to love them in spite of what they look like or smell like or act like. To have that compassion and mercy and love for them. That's the kind of love that Jesus had, wasn't it? When everybody else was telling those two blind guys to shut up, Jesus said, bring them over here. Here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now think about that for a minute. As he is, Jesus is not a was, he's an is. As he is right now, does he have all power, all authority? Doesn't the Bible say that? In him is all power, authority, and dominion. His name's above every name. Every name? Every name? Every name? Every name. Diabetes? Cancer? Stress? Name it. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. There's no fear zone, folks. If we have perfect love, because it says right there, perfect love casteth out fear. Where's the only perfect love? Where do we find the only perfect love there is? The one who is love. Because here fear hath torment. No, is fear of God? Not the kind of fear I'm talking about. Healthy fear is reverence. That's that's a healthy that's a reverence toward God. Fear God. Depart from evil. That's what the Bible says. But this is a different kind of fear. This is like a trembling fear, being fearful and afraid and and and, and timid and all those things. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. I didn't write that. Sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't write that. John wrote it. The Holy Ghost told him to write it. So the Holy Ghost wrote it. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. He that feareth... The one that's sitting in that little circle of fear going, I don't know. I think I'm just going to back up and go into my comfort zone. That that ought not to be, folks, among those that are sitting in this room. We should be out there turning our world upside down, right? Pastor, yes, sir. You heard him. There you go. There's your command. Go do it. <laughs> right? Trying to help you. 
He's been trying to get us to go out them doors and do it since he got here. You're all ministers, hasn't he? Has he said that over and over and over? We're all ministers. What are we waiting for? That just that fear zone doesn't exist because perfect love casts it, it does away with that. So you can just take that away from the picture. Wish I'd have done that. And you can just jump right into the learning zone and the growing zone. If there's any fear involved, where's it coming from? In here. And where's the enemy work? Right here. And he will, he will work his, he will subtly tell you, and it'll, it'll sound like your own thinking. Uh, you don't want to do that. Uh, it's, you know, the last time you did that didn't work out very well. He'll tell you all kinds of lies, because that's what he does, isn't it? He lies. <laughs> that's all he does. As a matter of fact, he's the father of lies. Praise God. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm not going to drag this out. God's trying to get our attention, church. I'll tell you what, he got my attention with this one. Because I had to do some serious looking in the mirror myself when I had to put this on paper, so to speak. Because there's some things i got to face about this guy right here that i got to deal with about me. Because I've been letting the enemy try to keep me in that second circle right there. Amen. The persecution's not going to go away. All these things that are coming to pass. I mean, look up and be watchful when you see all this stuff coming to pass, right? And what? why was it that the church grew so much? Just like the church in some Asian countries is growing like crazy. In a major Asian country in this world. Why? Not because they're having good church in a building where they're all coming together and meeting. They're being persecuted daily. And they have their constituency in that one country is greater than the constituency in this country. And they don't have a church building, folks. They're just going from house to house, door to door. Sometimes they only got one page of scripture. And then they go swap that with somebody else who has the next chapter. Try to imagine that. We have not we've not suffered under blood, folks. God's wanting to do some things with the people that are within the sound of my voice, including me. If we'll just step outside of that comfort zone, and God's going to teach you something. He's going to learn you something, as they say in the country. <laughs> Who wants to learn something about yourself? I'm going to this leadership development program class at the VA, and I am learning stuff about myself that is just like, man, it's kind of tough sometimes to realize some things about yourself that I'm 64 years old, and now I'm just realizing some things about myself. But we go along through our lives sometimes, and we just kind of hide. We keep that stuff stuffed in a corner back here in a closet, and we don't, even, we don't address it. Say, yeah, I was 74. <laughs> Why'd you have to bring it up? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm 74 on paper. How's that? <laughs> Praise God. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness and mercy, your grace, Lord. I just hope and pray that something I've said here tonight has been a blessing to somebody, Lord, that you have gotten a hold of somebody in their heart, their soul, their mind, their spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you for challenging us tonight. Thank you for helping us to find that place, oh God, to, to come before you and to change, oh God, and to look at some things in our life, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your greatness and mercy, your goodness, Lord Jesus, your loving kindness towards us. Father, we thank you for your goodness, mercy, and grace. We thank you for life and health and breath, for bringing each one and everyone here and online. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us tonight in Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, and we'll see the men here on Saturday at 8 o'clock. Don't eat breakfast Saturday morning. We're going out to the family restaurant for breakfast. In Jesus' name.